Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Your hands together, because <laughs> it's the afternoon. Uh, hello, um, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Cam Smith, and uh, you're in the afternoon here on the wonderful, stupendous three triple RFM. What a delight! Look across, who we got? Can you tell that we're caffeinated? My name is Can you tell? Matt Stedman. Hello, Cameron yeah. Smith. Caffeinated, and some have been croissanted. If, uh, if that is a sugar verb. and caffeine, Sh- and you even put sugar in your caffeine, no judgment. Yeah, come on. <laughs> um, thank you, scientists, yes. for your eruditions. Thank you, doctors. Thank you, talking about marine biology, all that stuff, mm-hmm. and of course, you too, Tim. You rock, and uh, and so do you, listeners, because you have chosen. To spend some time with whether it's hmm. in uh, the glorious now, the present, or maybe in the future. Yes, maybe the future. Hmm. Looking back at the past, and uh, that brings us to themes of the show. We uh, we have a chat with Ben Shuri, who talks a bit about. Uh, you know, I thought we we're just going to talk about food, but we get into this existential type live. In the glorious now. Who is this Ben Shuri you speak of? Oh, he might be a guy that hangs out at Glen Ira Road. Uh, he's got a restaurant. You might have heard of it. It's called Attica. Yes. Um, been a bit of controversy there, but we'll move on Ooh. to that too because that brings us to uh, who's going to be leading us off, and that's the fabulous Rosalind Grundy. Yes, it's after, well, there was a years. guide last year, but after years of having sort of normal uh, operations resumed at the Age of Good Food Guide. Yes. Uh, and so very excited to have a chat to Roz around uh, what's in, what's out, hats, trends, all the good stuff that you normally read in the Age of Good Food Guide. And you get changed from 10 bucks, which I, I still think is – that's pretty impressive. I agree. That really, really is. Uh, yes, we do talk with Ben Shurian. I'm going to have to do a mere culpa. Right? Oh, yes. Right at the very beginning of this because um, <laughs> I had a long chat with him and I don't want to give too much away, but um, – uh, we we go into the thread of the discussion goes yeah. into uh, bolognese sauce, yeah. and um, um, I rang you, didn't I? Because Straight after you said, Matt, I had a really good chat to Ben Shuri from Attica about bolognese, and we Except, talked about a magic ingredient. Yeah, um, <laughs> can, you've you've got the book there, haven't you? Can you can you go to it because <laughs> Jesus, I said it had cinnamon in it. Can can you check and, and and I remember there was this little wait while you're finding the book and then yeah. you no you said that um, um, your uh, your current partner yes my good lady wife often <laughs> yeah. and we're talking about the the grossy bolognese recipe uh, and the secret ingredient or one of the secret ingredients no but you actually said to me it just falls open on that page it does yeah, we, we cooked that bolognese so many times yeah did it have cinnamon it didn't. No, it didn't. So I was wrong. Uh, the basic ingredient that uh, the Grossies put in is a little bit of clove with nutmeg. Yeah. And uh, Ben acknowledged it because he did. He looked at me and he goes, I've been looking into this and I haven't heard about cinnamon. <laughs> and I'm thinking my heart was sort of sinking going, uh-oh. Anyway, so that's the mea culpa. Um, I think it's a, it's – Funny, it's an it's an interview. I'm actually really really happy with. Yes, so stay tuned for it. Yeah, stay tuned for it, and uh, of course we will be speaking to Rosen very very soon. And in fact, we're kind of rushing to fit the interview in, which is why we're talking fast. Yeah, that, that could be it. That we haven't got our normal language rhythm. sort of rhythm mm. happening. But that's all right. But I thought maybe a very very quick. Yeah. What's, What's that in your mouth? mouth? Um, what is I, it? Well, I wanted to say that uh, I brought home some um, beautiful artichokes back from oh, yes. John yes. the other day. And, yes. uh, and the way that I store artichokes is I sort of arrange them like flowers. Oh, yes, in a little yeah, you, sort of thing, yeah. Lop off his tail. Lop off the tail, stick it in the water. That way they, they sort of keep pretty well. Mm. But, gee, they were beautiful. And I thought, I can't just watch these things just disappear like some Flemish still art, you know, where we <laughs> contemplate our own mortality no. because of a dying vegetable on a canvas, for instance. And I thought, oh, I must cook these. Better and cook I, them. 
Well, originally I thought, look, the easiest way to do an artichoke is artichoke vinaigrette. Yes. You throw it in the water um, and um, 20 minutes they're done, but I spent the time and I paired them back until mm. they were just the hearts and sautéed them with some garlic and parsley and life was good. But anyway. And your gut was happy with you. My gut was happy. Thanks for joining us. On with the show. Yes. And it is my great pleasure to welcome back to the airwaves because it is that time of year. Rosalind Grundy with uh, all the news about, uh, well, the snapshot of restaurants, where we're at, 2022 to 2023. Rosalind, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I am very well. Thank you. Well, what a what a year. Is, is it a year where we have uh, achieved a normality? Well, look, I wouldn't say normality, but it's a year in which we managed to get out a copy of the Good Food Guide with yes. hats and scores, oh, which and is something we haven't that. been able to do for three years. Yeah, hooray. <laughs> well done. Yep. So it's back. Yeah. It's back. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't say it's all's normal in the world of um, restaurants, but it's it's getting a little closer, edging a little closer all the time. Yeah, well, I still remember um, just post, well, post-pandemic, my God, you know, post whatever part of the pandemic we want, um, a sign uh, at a, I think it was a pub that said, uh, chef required no experience necessary. Oh, gosh. Yes. But uh, but yeah, here here we are, and uh, and I think we did talk beforehand uh, a while ago, and saying, how do you assess uh, restaurants um, in in a holistic sense when one of the aspects is is so hard to fulfil these days, and that's the uh, the service by the humans. Well, that's right. I think we've. I think I might have even said this to you at the time that mm. I'd instructed the reviewers to be extra kind and extra forgiving in the area of um, service this year. Although we always give marks for service, yes. um, we interpreted that much more loosely this year because we all know the problems that um, restaurants are having getting staff that beset and have befallen uh, the the industry. So, um, yeah, what was it like putting it together and, and tell us some of the, the highlights that you see? I mean, one of the themes we can talk about is uh, there is a whole new generation banging on the door of restaurants trying to get in and they want recognition and they're ready to, well, they already are showing their stuff. Uh, it wasn't really clear to me until the awards night this week mm. just what a generational change we're going through actually yeah, yeah. um we weren't we weren't really hyper conscious of it when we were putting this edition together um and not even after we'd discussed the, our finalists our award winners anything like that we we weren't really mindful of just what a generational change um is, is was happening but but um, it was very clear on um, at Monday's awards night just how much had changed. And I, I was, you know, um, chatting with people in the room. Arla Wolf Tasker, bless her, was there for the umpteenth year. And she said, I hardly recognise any of these people. Yeah. And, um, yeah. this, and Annie Smithers from Dufermio and Trentham, same thing. She, she commented on it. It was very apparent that that um, just a lot of young faces are um, now heading up restaurants, and that, that's an exciting time. And, but if I can say one of the other themes really mm. was the um, greater diversity of our top restaurants, really, the more, more mm. of that kind of immigrant story or a combination of migrant heritage and Australian... Uh, ingredients, Australian training and that sort of thing coming together in, in some of the top restaurants. Places I'm thinking of like Aru, which was named our restaurant of the year this year, where Khan Nguyen has a Vietnamese background and marries that with um, a lot of Australian ingredients and um, 
more classical European training. Wow. And yes. another one was um, Sarai in um, in a little laneway in Melbourne, um, this, which was our new restaurant of the year. Filipino. And that was a, a Filipino yeah. restaurant, kind of contemporary Filipino dishes with um, Australian kind of wine bar overlay, I would say. Wow. Okay. And, um, yeah, for a, a lot of us, we haven't really eaten probably a lot of Philippine food and it's sort of – it's an interesting case in that it, it draws on a lot of different strings from around its area and, of course, it's Catholic um, underpinning, shall we say, from colonisation. Uh, but without yeah, the, the right. heat of the chilli, is that a fair generalisation? Oh, look, I would not put myself up as any kind of expert on Filipino food, but I am willing to learn because um, we have... I did not realise we have quite a deep, um, you know, uh, Filipino population in, in Victoria and they have not really been represented in restaurants, probably because it isn't necessarily a kind of a restaurant culture. A lot of yeah. a lot of cuisines are not necessarily adapted to restaurants. It's more like a home based cuisine. But um hmm. we have a lot of Filipinos here in, in Victoria and um so I'm hoping we will be seeing some more um Filipino restaurants if they're anything as good as Sarai. Yeah, right. And um and so, uh, so Sarai is uh, what award did that win again? Just, just going back. That won the new re- new restaurant of that's the year. That's the new restaurant of the year, and that's in uh, whereabouts in the city is it? Uh, it is in I think it's called Lane Racecourse Lane. It's a tiny little laneway off Little Burke Street. Okay, well that sounds like an interesting. Well, uh, no doubt there'll be uh, lots of people trying to get into that place. And uh, so that's the the ups. Um, anybody, any movements with the three hatters? He said provocatively. Funny you should say that. Yes, funny you should say that. Yes. It, um, it it does seem that we can only have a quota of three because yes. we lost one and we gained one this year. Oh, brilliant! Um, Voudemont uh, gained, regained its third hat for oh. the first time since I think it was nineteen. No, not 19, 2017, um, with with young um, Hugh Allen in the kitchen there, pushing things forward. He's uh, quite an amazing talent. That's another young, he told me that young chef coming yeah, through. Exactly, yeah, exactly. He's he's only I think 26 or 27 now, and he he told me that he developed passion for cooking when he was 10. Wow. And um, when he was a teenager, he used to buy the good food guides and pour through them to read all about who'd won the three hats and all of that, which I thought was absolutely gorgeous. Wow. Um, so, yes, they they regained their hat and, alas, Attica um, lost theirs. But Ben Shuri, being the amazing force of nature that he is, mm. I am sure will be encouraged to redouble his efforts or, who knows, go off in a completely different direction because he's such a creative spirit that I think this will just spur some fresh ideas for him. And indefatigable too, I would say, as well. There's no one who stands up to adversity like Ben does. No, that's right. Mm. He's, um, he, yeah, he was... He was an inspiration to the whole industry throughout the course of the pandemic, and I'm sure that that weighed very heavily on his shoulders, mm. thinking that he had to carry everyone along. But yep. um, he, uh, you know, he's he's a creative man, and I'm sure he will pick himself up and find a new direction or, yes, or and whatever it is. Whatever it is, I am there for it because he's great. Well, stay tuned, Russell, because we happen to have about a half-hour interview with Ben um, after Ooh, we, okay. we, we speak with you. Please do. Um, um, the other three hatters, just out of curiosity? Oh, the other three hatters, the perennial favourite Bray in um, Birigara. You cannot fault the endeavour of um, Dan Hunter and um, 
Jules, his yes. wife and yes. their team, they are just incredible, always striving for the highest and um, succeeding year, year after year, and I'm sure that they don't take that for granted. You don't get to stay on three hats without a good deal of effort. Mm. And um, who's the third one? Let me think. <laughs> Goodness. It's oh, Minamishma. Minamishma down there in Richmond. Oh, my God. In Richmond. Richmond, oh, my God. Koichi Minamishima is just, oh, he's, he's so amazing. And on Monday when he accepted his three hats, he's always so humble. He's always so gracious. He gave... A very beautiful speech. He's got very halting English, but he always gives a beautiful, heartfelt speech from the stage and gets such amazing uh, support from the crowd. So that was a lovely thing to wow. see. Wow. Well, i got to say, I've, I've managed yeah. to get there once and it is almost a religious experience. Uh, of all the places that um, you have looked at in the last uh, minute and a half that we have left, mm-hmm. Roslyn, um, what places do you look forward to returning to again and again? Oh, um, look, one of my favourites this year was at the very far end of that spectrum, Lulu's Cha Kui Tiao in um, a laneway in Melbourne. It's mm. super humble, super mm. inexpensive. Um, they do Malaysian street food. They do it amazingly. It's possibly the best um, bowl of cha kui tiao, the, um, the Malaysian Love noodle yeah. in Melbourne. Yes. And it, it, you'll be, you know, you'll be coughing up, I don't know, $12, $15, Whoa. no more than that. Line up, get your place in the queue, get have your, have your meal, you know, line up, pay at the... Counter for and, your meal, and, and get, oh my gosh, get heaven. out so someone else can have a go. That sounds great. I love charcoal tub. Absolutely. That sounds great. Well, um, the Age Good Food Guide is available. How do we get it? Where is it? It's available in news agents mm-hmm. and um, and where else? Where did I say? Supermarkets. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Via the store, which is an online store. Service um, stations. That you if can I remember. Look up online. Service stations. It must seem to remember. Oh, probably. Yeah. Probably. Look for the look for the pink magazine with a fork on the on the cover. It's nine ninety five. That's a really really good price. Rosalind, thank you for the work that you do to uh, to give us a snapshot of um, of the industry and to um, help him out. What's the word I'm looking for? To uh, a yardstick. Um, yeah, or document, or yeah, yeah, yeah. measure when, when words <laughs> fail. Hey, benchmark. That's why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> Rosalind, big hug to you. It's always a pleasure to chat. Thank look, you. Look forward to chatting again soon. Um, the Age Good Food Guide. It's out nine ninety five um, at all some good places. Thank you so much for your time. Rosalind Grundy there with the Age Good Food Guide. Uh, we'll be back after some music with Atticus Ben Shuri. Ben Shuri, what an absolute delight to uh, be here in this restaurant again and just be sitting in the corner booth here. This would be a good table for the eating out, wouldn't it? Well, this is my favourite table. This yeah, is table three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Table three, folks, if you, if you want to try and make a booking and request it. Lots of luck. Hey, Ben. I've been good. I've been good. Um, flat out. The yeah. restaurant is very busy. Always. You're always flat out. Yeah, so many things to do. Yeah. Um, you know, just with the balance of restaurant life and family life and other creative projects and, I guess, things that I want to achieve in my life, you know, mm-hmm. it's very full. Mm-hmm. It's very full. Um, and that is, that's exactly how I like it, you know. I kind of definitely am the sort of person that, Without sound, trying to sound fatalistic, never doesn't want to die wondering. You know, like I really want to, like, you know, live in the moment and live every day. You yeah. know, I heard, I went to this really uh, great speech by a friend of mine called Hugh Van Kylenberg at the Resilience Project last week, and Hugh, mm-hmm. Hugh reminded us in the audience of the fact that that we spend all of our time focusing on the past and all of our time focusing on the future. It's actually about thirty-seven percent, apparently. Of each, so mm. you know, let's say we, let's let's say hypothetically we we 
roughly focus all of our time on the, the future and the past and about 75% of our time. Mm. Very little on the present. But he pointed out that the present is actually the only thing that we can focus on. You know, that we can't worry about the past, we can't change that, and we can't really predict the future. No. Um, and so, you know, I think I'm, I'm just getting better at just absolutely focusing on the present and trying to enjoy every moment, even the harder moments, you know, even the moments that make you feel, you know, not great, they're worth focusing on too. And I find it kind of fascinating, you know, sitting with that and identifying, you know, those feelings and, and what's going on. I mean, I'm gathering my thoughts uh, because I'm about to commence writing a book. Um, so that's something that I haven't told anybody. Um, and I've, I've basically I've written a test chapter, and from there, it's just trying to flesh out the other, the other thoughts and the things that are going to go into it. But um, that's kind of, that's kind of my, that's what I'm doing at the moment. So just sitting with my thoughts, writing them down on notes, and I've got kind of a galaxy of ideas on a huge um, felt board in my office. Not the whiteboard, the felt board. That's a, that's a new one. You, you're sounding kind of Buddhist to me, Ben, in that um, that's the the thing that is espoused is about living in the glorious now. Well, it, you know, it can be really easy, I think, to get distracted by, um, yeah. especially by the past. I mean, the future's kind of always exciting, what may, whatever it might bring, but, you know, I definitely am a person that, just kind of it's not that I don't know what's going on from day to day I have a very full diary then that helps me get keep organized <laughs> yeah, um, yes. you know and sometimes it could be 15 or 20 entries in that diary but it, but but I, I, t- I tend to not think about about it like that I tend to just focus on whatever's at hand and try to enjoy that you know like I just really I just really appreciate you know my life yeah, well, it's uh, uh, you're someone who I would uh, regard as someone who'll never die wondering, um, and also someone who is always moving and is always just you're like the um, the ever ready bunny or whatever it is. Just you know, you keep, you keep going. Now, okay, the book because people I know are going to be going. Ask him about the book. Um, is it going to be a novel? Is it going to be a picture cookbook? Well, he said provocatively. It's not, it's not going to be. I know. I, I knew no. that saying that, but I had you to. You knew that already, did yeah, you? Yeah, of course. Oh, that's I, I cool. Could, I, yeah. could, I could tell. Yeah, well, I appreciate that you knew that. Uh, it, yeah. No, definitely not a cookbook. I did, no. I did that once before. Yeah, no, um, this is one thing, ego this project is... is enough for one's life, one big ego project. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and, you know, I've done that. I, I made a, a really beautiful, enormous book, too mm. big. Um, and I like that that's. It's out there, but there's not many of them, and it's really hard to find. So I'm, I've just kept it like that. Cause You're I'm, moving from the coffee table to the cerebellum, I think, aren't you? You're, well, that's it. you're yeah. going in. What, what's it going to be? Well, a, you know, I don't, I don't entirely know, know now, but I've, I've recently, uh, from talking to my publisher, I'm coming to the understanding, which I rebelled against quite heavily, that it, that it was a memoir. I, to me, it wasn't a memoir, mm. but then I guess I didn't really t- technically understand what a memoir was. So it is talking about. That's looking back, though. Sorry, I'm being provocative. No, no, no. But it, it will always be looking back, no matter what you write, right? Mm. Like, in a way, um, because it, you know, it's a moment in time, a book. Um, but, yes, yeah. but I think um, the, the general concept is that I've had a lot of different experiences, and that provided a lot of different outcomes. And so I kind of and, and affected those. a lot of people too. Well, thank you. I mean, that's, you know... Yeah, it, yeah it's just... It has. It, well, I, mean, it I don't is. know. It, it, well, it's just a... Well, you, you have know, a lot of people... Really... I mean, you know, like it or not, you, you have a lot of people under your tutelage, under your stewardship, uh, under your direct employment. So what you do affects others. Yeah, well, that's, that's a great privilege to have that responsibility, and that's something that I adore and relish. Um, you know, we still have 40 employees here. Uh, plus How many? 40. Yep. And 55 customers. That's a really, really high ratio. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, the, the deeper I go in it, the more it becomes about that. Like, the cooking, the running of the restaurant is still, like, you know, my great passion. Cooking will always be my great passion, and creating food will always be my great passion. But other passions which are really strong, you know, are leadership and mentoring, training, 
and how to build culture. That's fascinating to me, how to build culture in a place, you know, oh. so that, yeah, culture is so That's crucial yeah. to everything. It's, it's com- it will completely determine the success of any organisation, you know, yes. business or whatever it is, sports team. Uh, so, so focusing on the things that, that I know that I do and have done and presenting the different outcomes is kind of a little bit of a snapshot of the book. But I suppose it's just about, you know, you, you talked about my energy, um, and I appreciate that. My parents are here from New Zealand right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're in their 70s, late 70s, and Dad has had you know, a hard run with his health. And yet there my parents are out in my section removing, you know, agapanthus and trees and, like, just they can't sit still. They have so much energy for people who are 76. It's amazing. And that's really inspiring to me. So I haven't seen them for three years because we've been in the situation, right? And um, The situation, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I hope to avoid Beautiful. that word. No, lovely. Uh, and... The situation, which I say is, you know, is temporary, um, as most situations are. But, mm. but uh, yeah. witnessing them, I realise, you know, in ha- you know, you can, I'm, I'm 45, so I've had a little t- more time to be a bit more reflective than I did maybe in my 30s. Yeah. And, you know, watching them in the garden work with such intensity, my dad literally, literally cannot st- sit still. Uh, so it gives him so much happiness and joy to be able to dig out these damned agapanthus, which are everywhere, and which Kylie, my partner, hates. They're so heavy. These ball-rooted things that oh, yeah. they're so hard to dig out. Um, you know, and ivy and small trees. Like it's, it's just incredible. Um, he's a demolition machine. He is a demolition <laughs> machine. He he really is. You know, and he saved your life once too, if, if I recall once. rightly. Yeah, more than, more once. than once. Yes, than yeah. Once. Actually, he saved me from drowning twice. Twice. Um, yeah, I, I actually didn't know the first story until uh, I was much older. Actually, until I was an adult, he didn't tell me. Mm-hmm. He's got this. You want to hear it? It's, sure. a, it's a great story. I think yeah. it's a great story. So they're on a beach in Taranaki, where I'm from. It's yes. um, Black Sand Beach, and the where the ocean meets the sand, uh, it dips away underneath that lip of this, the sea very shut, very steeply. Like yes. It's like a bank, and it just falls away, I guess, a couple of metres. Yeah. It's sort of like a ditch. and Make a nice body-surfing wave. be nice oh. and bowly, wouldn't <laughs> it? So but cool. for Ben, how old were you? Oh, I think That's I was crazy. like two years old. I was old enough to run. Ooh, ooh, okay. So I run out in front of them, and the waves are breaking on the beach. Yes. And a wave breaks on me, and it just takes me straight down, immediately down. Uh, like I mean, just kind of like the way he told it to me is that it just swallowed me. Kind you just of disappeared. And, yeah, I just disappeared. Yeah, it you know, just disappeared. And my dad rushed in, and of course, it's you know over the, <laughs> with, his, the his height. Yeah, and he yeah. can't see me. No. And he said he put his hand down, yeah. like randomly, and yeah. he felt me. <gasps> and he picked, and he pulled me out. No way. And so that happened, right? But then he told me this other story. He was on the, the Gold, yeah. on the Gold Coast in the seventies with. Mum and dad just got married, and he was in the surf in the somewhere on the Gold Coast, and his wedding ring came off his hand in the surf, and he's like, "Oh my goodness!" No and he way. put his hand down, no and there was the wedding ring. So that's my dad's story. Yeah. What are the odds, my God? Yeah. He's a wonderful person. I, he I, is. I and and obviously, uh, if I can just put it as a cliche, Matt Stedman's going to punch me. The apple hasn't fallen fallen far from the tree. It would appear to me. There you go. There's a there's a bit of a compliment. You said to me a while ago, during the occurrence, the times. Yes. You know, I'm kind of over fine dining, and I find it a bit boring. Where have you come out now? Where are you? In, in that regard. I don't kind of think of the restaurant as fine dining or not fine dining or one thing or the other. I just think of the... It's just a living thing here. Like, it, you know, it's, it's obviously a business. Um, mm. But for me, it's just kind of a project that we just try to keep growing and keep getting better at and keep changing as well, evolving. Otherwise, it's kind of no point staying the same for me. I would maybe not do it as a business anymore if I had to stay the same. And I don't really worry about external factors. I just do the work that I want to do with the team. Um, and, of course, you know, our mode of operation is to do it in the most ethical way possible, uh, and that is from every angle. And I'm not, I don't say that lightly. I mean that with absolute intention. Um, and, and, and intensity. Yes, yes, yeah, and it is yes. intense because you yes. make... If you are 
attempting to take a holistic view of yourself and your business, then you have to try to find your blind spots. You know, you have to be very analytical. Really? Yeah, and really brutal. So that is brutal. And you can't really. That's really turning around to assess yourself. Oh yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's not a pretty thing. And you know, when you start when you start counting the pieces of your waste, you know, you start weighing them and trying to work out what your waste is that's just one tiny facet of what you know what we've been doing lately measuring them um and trying to work out ways to reduce them Mm. or better dispose of them Mm. uh it's um you know it's it's startling and and that's just the ephemera around us the the very real ephemera but then there's also what is within well yeah i mean that's right you know so one of the so i don't really know in all honesty, no, no matter how good your intentions are, um, and you know, I believe mine to be as good as anybody who has cared and, com- and committed and sees their business as part of the community, not just running roughshod on the community. You know, that's very much how I see my place in Melbourne and sort of having place. a light footprint type yeah. thing. Yeah, like a part of the culture, you yes. know. And um, but um, despite the best intentions, I really think it's better if you can. Uh, if you can kind of be assessed independently from somebody else that's not involved within the organisation, you know, somebody that can come through and help you find your blind spots, and that, and that's sort of we're in this process. Can't really talk about it any more than that because this is this is mentorship, really, that we're talking about, or just having uh, an independent view that you trust. Who yes. do you trust to do well, that? This is the thing I can't talk. I about. can't. Tell. Um, but 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 I, I will be able to talk about it. In the future, whether or not we succeed with this mission, I suppose, or not. But mm. um, it's a very bold and ambitious plan. And I just want to produce something that sets itself apart from greenwashing and from fake you know, sustainability initiatives. That's effectively what I'm trying to do. And, and the way that I think that that is best presented in the way that I think that it can be more trusted rather than just saying that I do these things is that if it's authenticated by somebody else that is their sole purpose basically so peer reviewed you know, almost peer reviewed reviewed by experts from an external source yes yes yeah I know I'm being a little bit cagey but yeah. um yeah. but that's something we've been working on for a year now and it's something that it will probably take another year. We don't even know if we're going to be able to achieve this certification. So it's it's a, it's exciting and kind of scary and and it's also a conundrum because, you know, it makes you make many decisions that perhaps wouldn't have to be made in normal circumstance, you know. Um, the way that effectively, you know, every successful restaurant, it makes around about the same profit, let's just say, right? Like if it's profitable, it makes around about the same profit. Mm. And... Uh, Which we can gauge percentage-wise and say, yeah, yeah, that yeah. this is... Yeah. It's approximate, right? Yeah. Um, and I think if you talk to other people, other leaders in the industry, they'll say the same thing. But uh, So it's really coming back then to the director of the company as to how that profit is spent, how it's reinvested, you know? So, and that's what I'm analysing very, very, very strongly is, you know, how... There's a saying, all... All boats are lifted by the rising tide, yeah. you know, and that that is a saying that I really believe in because that that's talking about when when somebody has success, then there's other people that can all, that help that person achieve that success. They can also join in and enjoy that success, mm. and that to me means you know obviously my employees first and foremost. Uh, it means um, you know in this case. The environment, you know, it's mostly about the environment's not enjoying my success. It's you know, but it, but it, but I can lessen the impact of my success on the environment if I choose to, Mm. Um, and it's a decision that we can all make. There's sometimes people will say that well, Attica can do that because it's exceptional, or it's because it's well known, or it's famous restaurant. Therefore, only Attica can do that, and that to me. It's a complete cop out, mm-hmm. and I don't agree with that at all. Because Attica come from a tiny, tiny place, you know, with four staff, and it's, it's a little, a little Thai restaurant on the 
Glen Road, yes. Yeah, so you know, so anybody can make the decisions that we're making. Um, yes. Anybody who has the privilege that we do, but you know, many people in Australia do. Mm. You know, we have vast levels of disparity between you know people with means and without. But which is only in, getting more and more. Yeah, but we're talking right now about successful restaurants. Yes. Um, okay. And so, for me, it's in a way the work that we're doing right now, um, which I can't put a name on is hopefully setting us up for the next 20 years. That's, so the, wow. we're talking about living, okay. in, the, uh, living in the moment. Yeah. We're living in the moment, but we're hopefully producing something that will set the standard for the future. For the future yeah. as yeah, well. Future-proofing future the business and giving everybody a framework mm. in which to be able to clearly work in. Mm. You know? Rather than me walking around saying, oh, you know, don't do that or do it this way, Imagine if there was a framework that just said this is, you know, everybody automatically knew how it was done because it was set. The parameters were set. Yeah. Well, I'll be stay tuned for for this space, and please, um, Ben, keep in touch with me when you <laughs> when you when you're able to follow through and uh, have these uh, uh, revelations uh, cast to us. Uh, let's talk a, a little bit in the time that we have um, in regard to what's on the plate here or what comes to the table here. Um, how during um, the, not the end of the troubles that we've had, but uh, you're able to open the restaurant again, you're able to have people in sitting in situ in the place as opposed to ripping up the furniture to, to do those Vegemite scrolls, which I love very much. What's different on the plate? What are your discoveries? What ingredients have you been looking at? If we could maybe have just a, a quick look at that. Well, I think I can share something with you for the first time that I haven't shared with anybody else. Oh, um, and that is that I have been working on bolognese again. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. And I have been working... This gets to be... Also, there's going to be a question, what you're doing for Christmas with lasagna? Anyway, uh, bolognese is a big part of your your... Ethos. You, well, you. well, it is, but I've, you know, so, so what, listeners, if, listeners who don't who don't know my history of bolognese, uh, bolognese is is a Shuri family dish, bolognese and lasagna. Mm. It's it's sort of the only dish that we have that feels like our own, even though we don't have any links to Italy. And mm. in fact, as a family, we've never been. You know, I've been obviously, but um, so uh, bolognese was a family childhood thing. Lasagna was a family childhood thing. Uh, then, you know, as a young adult, it became my own thing, and I adapted my mother's recipe and laid the way that many of us do. And then it was something that I'd make for special occasions, and it was always on Christmas Day and now on birthdays. Mm. And then on, and then during the pandemic, it was something that really helped the restaurant a lot, helped it to survive. And we sold, I think, I think we served lasagna to more than 16,000 people. I can't even remember how many it was, but <laughs> it might be... It eight, I can't remember if it was 8,000 or 16,000, but I've got the stats there somewhere. Yeah. I think it was 16, but... Um, so that that happened, and then, uh, and it's about kind of examining your your own history and your own culture, and and finding what's valuable to you. You know, so that that's some, that's kind of what I've been doing. I've been revisiting Bolognese. Um, I had a trip to Bologna, the spiritual home of Bolognese, in Emilia Romana, mm. and that was really great. And then I came back, and I have been laser focused on bolognese. Uh, I've been like a bolognese um, guru. Guru, yes, that's the yeah, word I was yeah. going to use I, too. I definitely don't apply that word to anything yes. that I do. But I, but I, but I've gone very deep, and I can be very obsessive about things, and I can get really, really deep. And I've been doing it at home, uh, sort of as to shield um, everybody from that obsessiveness, but also because I need a really clear focus. And so I've examined all of the principles of bolognese in minute details. Mm. Like, I mean, I don't want to bore t anybody with... Timings, uh, proportions, e temperatures... E everything. Lengths. Yes. What, How, have, you, what have you discovered, uh, well, Chef? Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you one Go little on. thing. Yeah, um, a little. For me, you need to mince your own meat. Yes. Okay? Yeah. But... I was not happy with the mincer that I had, so I had to buy a mincer from Bologna. So that I'm not laughing at Trump, I'm no, no with you. I'm I going, think it's funny. I can see I you it's, going. It's not right. It's no, not right. no, no. Yeah. So maybe there's a critical, tiny quality loss within those difference of those mincers. But I know people will be going. It's pretty wacky. Yeah. But 
for me, it matters. Everything matters. You know, there's there's just this kind of you know some kind of accountability there. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, I, I want to add up all the tiny things that maybe matter or don't matter, but maybe it doesn't even matter if it it doesn't matter because maybe psychologically it matters. So maybe yes. as part of a bigger project, yes. you know, you you start building this kind of goodwill within yourself and self belief. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's just one element, but I've applied that no, element it, to everything. Hold it, hold it, hold it. So what did this mincer from Bologna change? Did it change texture, mouthfeel? Well, what? well, it has a bunch of different dyes on it, so a bunch yeah. of different sizes. So, yes. you know, experimenting with the size, the size is crucial. Yes. Depending on the type of kind of Bolognese, you, I've been making many different Bolognese's. So... Mm. Um, so depending on the size of the dyes, there's obviously the size of the mince, but also the way that the mince cuts and different types of meat that I've been using. I've been using all kinds of different animals in this bolognese. Um, you know, like I've used seven or eight different animals. So, mm. so there's there's a lot there, uh, and it's been driving kind of been driving Kylie mad at home because um, she'd probably smell it you're doing it again I, feel, I can smell the sofrito you, yeah. that means you're starting it again yeah 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 and at that long like cook times sometimes of six seven hours you know <laughs> um, definitely not under two and so so I'd see a short fine. film in this too because one of the things that came out of COVID for me is you are a master of slapstick comedy. Oh. Really? I think you, I think you are. Um, question, cinnamon or no cinnamon? No cinnamon. No cinnamon? No, no. Right. No, I've not come across no. that in my research, I've got to say. But yeah. nutmeg. Nutmeg? Yeah. Isn't, I'm sure the Grossi's recipe has a little bit of cinnamon with the yeah. nutmeg. Well, I don't want to go against I, Guy Grossi. I no, have no. full respect for the Grossi's. I yeah, don't yeah. want to get on the bad side of... Uh, but no basey spicy sort of spices guy. in there. Uh, no, no, nothing no. like that. So really, like, a departure from... I know, from, from my childhood bolognese. And I will give away one kind of crucial thing that, of course, is not going to be news to Italians or a lot of as, Italians. As but, I lean in, yes. But uh, no garlic. Yeah, okay. yeah. No garlic? No. Yes. That's a bit shocking. But yeah, okay. I don't want to kind of say too much more than that because I am actually well, I'm actually so, writing about this. So you are you going to come down from the mountain with the <laughs> with the tablets to pronounce the what would you what's happened? Well, yeah, it's, it's I mean it's kind of examining what is authentic and what is not, and even if there is any sort. of Actually, in the world, does something authentic exist? You yeah. know, like is that a word that we should use? Mm. Um, I think we can kind of say it's authentically mine or authentically yours, but like to label something as genuinely authentic when mm. culture changes, food changes, it evolves, it adopts new ingredients, new ways, and mm. the history of cuisine is completely, you know, just littered with examples of this. Can you imagine Thai cuisine without? Chilies, for example, the Portuguese introduced them. So, you know, yeah, well, that's only a recent thing, really, yeah. relatively. Yeah. So that that's kind of that's that's kind of what I've been working on, and I'm working on something for Attica with that, but with that bolognese, but not that bolognese. So, um, stay tuned. Yeah, it's coming soon, but we're just waiting for a, a beautiful custom plate to be made by Claire Alice, who is one of our former staff members and who's now a full-time ceramic artist. So she's making an amazing, amazing Australian terracotta bowl as we speak. So you're waiting for the vehicle for the, this, uh, the, the contents? Yeah, it's been about five months of very intense development for this dish and it's about four weeks away, I'd say. So we're just waiting. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting process to to take something from your childhood that's so special to you, to relearn it, to examine it, to go back into time, to read the old ways, um, then to sort of <clears throat> reintroduce yourself to them, reinvigorate yourself with them, and then to apply a lot of your own core philosophies, you know, my core philosophies um, that are here at Attica, the use of local foods, grains, meats. Mm. But then just, the ex- you know, the extra element as well was that we have... You know, a lot of food in Australia that we could be eating, we choose not to. Um, I'll leave it at that. Yes. And, um, and, and, you know, the time will come to unveil it, I suppose. I'm being very coy today, aren't I? Well, I want you to uh, make sure that I... <laughs> from, a, from a completely... Uh, what's the word? Um, 
I, I'd love to get an invitation from that if I could be well, completely could mercenary be, about it. Yeah, that. absolutely. I, I need to need to know more about that. Um, all right, we need to probably um, finish this up because your those balls in the air. It, we don't want to see them fall. That would be terrible. Um, Christmas, what have you got planned? And um, also within the restaurant, is there uh, any new ingredients or things that you've um, you've managed to really really crack? So Christmas, uh, we closed for three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah we can just go chill out. Of, yeah, do yeah. You actually, most, chill out. I spent a week working yeah. in the restaurant um, on maintenance, changing the art over. Mm. Uh, we're doing a, a renovation of a bathroom, so that that'll all be kind of happening while the staff are having a holiday. But Christmas Day for us is just a small thing with my kids and family, and I don't even know actually what we're going to cook. Maybe maybe I'll hand it over to Kylie, who's a fabulous cook, home cook. Um, oh, well, maybe okay. we'll share. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a barbecue. There'll be lasagna because that's the tradition. I like baked ham, even if it's not the right climate for it. Yeah. I have a great baked ham recipe, and my butcher, Gary, doesn't, Gary McBean does an amazing ham. Mm. So that's a possibility. Even though it's too much for, let's say, nine of us. Um, and I've always loved it from that very first time you told me about lasagna, which is so long ago now. I remember just thinking to myself, God, that makes so much sense, because it's really, you just, it's prepared. You shove it in the oven. You can just relax and, and enjoy being with family. Absolutely. All the work is... Which it's is pretty done. significant. It's a, oh, it's, it's, a big, big, it's a big job. But It's a big assemblage. It can be made the day before or on the day. And then when... Yeah, it's a great dinner party food because, mm. you know, a, a fundamental, fundamental to a successful dinner party is for the host, who's potentially the cook... Who's not having a nervous breakdown. No, and is not removed from the table too much. Yes. You know? So that's a fine art. It's different to restaurant. Oh, food, I, I agreed. Yeah. yeah. Um, agreed. But uh, I don't know. Just, you know, here is... There's a lot of research that can, continues the finding of things, the reinterpretation of, of things. I mean, probably the the ingredient that I'm most excited to be working with at the moment is native kangaroo grass, um, the seed of it, which is ground into a flour. Yes. We, we've been developing a bread with that. Mm. Uh Afakasha, I should say, um, which is which is funny and interesting and and fun, and the the grain is deeply delicious. It's a lot more flavoursome than than most wheat grains, you know, mm. so and distinctive. So that feels cool. We you know we're hopeful that that uh, the organisation that we support and, and buy that from Black Duck Foods can you know really cultivate that and help people cultivate that at a higher level and. But that's something that more Australians could enjoy and, yeah. and more First Nations Australians could benefit from. So. It sounds good. And um, how hard is it, is it these days to get a booking? What's, um, what's the state of play? Well, I think if you, if you want a booking midweek is the time to try to get a booking. It's easier. Okay. Friday, Saturdays are pretty... Forget. No, not forget. But okay. it's always worth... You know what? It's always worth hopping online or dropping us a line. We always try to help people get bookings basically you know, mm. we, you know that's we want people who want to come here we want to have them here you know there's nothing it's such a great pleasure to to look out in the dining room and see the engaged customers that we have so grateful like it, it's really such a privilege and um we never take it for granted no no i can i, I can of course not um ben May uh, those balls keep just moving in your air like uh, at light speed um, and uh, may you, those revelations keep coming to you and and I guess most importantly for the, the glorious now that we speak of, um, may you have a marvellous time uh, with your mum and dad while they're here. So it's a joy to see you, Ben. Always great to catch up and, um, and here's to you, my friend. Thank you so much, Cam. Thanks, Triple R. And there he was, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, mm. beautiful humans out there in Radio Land, Ben Shuri. And uh, a couple of things that we need a little addendum, shall we say, Matt? Yes, we were going to just readdress your mere culpa in case you were reaching well, for the I, cinnamon for your bold I, name. I wasn't going to mention it, look, but you I, wanted to look, bring it up. Maybe it would work really well. <laughs> maybe we should try the cinnamon in the bolognese. Maybe I've planted a seed. No, it doesn't <laughs> exist in the Grossi book, just so that, uh, yes, that is a mere culpa, complete and utter. And also mm. acknowledgement must be made to Ben Shuri 
and uh, all the people at Attica who welcome every, pretty much every year, yes. um, winners of the three Triple R Radiothon prizes. Major, major prize where the breakfasters yeah, yeah. get to host a lucky which I've, I've never thought about. It's a pretty good deal for the breakfasters. Yeah, I know. They, every, every year they get to eat at one of the world's great restaurants. Well, they have eaten at Attica <laughs> far more than you and I have <laughs> in their true. times. And not that we resent that at all, do we, Matt? Not at all. No. Anyway. Bloody hell. And Ross and Grundy, um, we were thinking, well, I'm thinking to myself, yes. that wasn't enough time, was it? No, um, uh, there's plenty more to cover, I think, yeah. uh, from the Age Good Food Guide and also Roslyn's just knowledge of food around this town and state. Um, and we talked a little bit about regional dining. Obviously, our friends at Bray took out three hats this year, which is excellent. Yeah, another great supporter of the station. Thank you, Dan. Here, uh, well done, you. But there's there's so much to see out of this town. Now, yes. some of these require unbelievably deep pockets, and you know, and also, <laughs> it's like, wow, you're really an optimist, aren't you? You're a real glass yeah. half full person if you think you can get into. I don't know, Le Fermier, for instance, uh-huh. you know, uh, or, uh, you know, some other places. But if you do have the wherewithal, if you have got some money in your skyrocket, it would be great to support regional Victoria and, uh, you know, places like um, um, maybe going to Beechworth, for instance. Yeah, go and visit uh, Michael Ryan at the Providence. Um, mm-hmm. There's plenty of others. Uh, my advice would be... What? Um, What's th- your gee, this state's been through a lot in the last two or three years. So um, <laughs> if you can support some of those regional areas, mm. uh, my advice is book early. Yes. Pick a date for 2023, make yes. a weekend of it, and get out to some of our excellent regional dining centres, which are growing mm. and uh, getting more and more renowned, which is, um, which is good. Yeah, which is good. And, um, yeah, also, I'm, mm. I'm not sure if it's made the guide yet. I don't think it has because it's only been open for a little while. Mm. If you are lucky to be down at... Possibly one of the most beautiful coasts in the world, I reckon, down there uh, around uh, where the Great Southern Ocean collides with the Great Southern Continent, uh, around Lawn and such. uh, Joe Barrett and uh, very, very good friend Lou. Yep. Uh, and her beau, David. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, uh, they're cooking down there in a place called Little Picket. They've taken over the bowling club, and that's, uh, well, you can have. Joe and Lou's cooking, and uh, I think it is extraordinary. It really is. And a great place to visit because I hadn't been down there for a, a very, very long time. No. And that drive, once you get past Geelong... It gets better. Oh, it does. <laughs> it gets it's, a lot better. it's one of those drives that just yeah, it gets better and better and uh-huh. better. And uh, maybe that's like radio here on 3RRFM, <laughs> maybe uh, the afternoon. Should and will and probably will get better and better because Indigenuity is on next. Yes. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Cam. See you next week. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 